You are now listening to A Word Before We Leave, the podcast that turns the conversation of individual passions into the conversation of individual perspectives. I'm Brett Gaffney. It's crazy, but we've made it to episode seven, and boy, oh boy, are you guys in for a treat. Since moving out here to Los Angeles, I've slowly but surely expanded my little network of people through common connections and have found a new friend amongst the City of Angels. Today's guest is Lizzie Bromley, and I think it'd be best if we just let her speak for herself. So, without further ado, welcome back to A Word Before We Leave. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Welcome back to A Word Before We Leave. My name is Brett Gaffney. Today we have... Lizzie! Lizzie Bromley. Lizzie Bromley, would you like to describe yourself real quick to the audience? Oh my gosh. Like, who, who are you? Two to three sentences. I am a almost 25-year-old girl living in Los Angeles. And I'm a photographer, about to be yoga teacher, photo editor, writer, all the good things. Where are you from? I'm from Los Angeles. I grew up in a little town called La Cañada, which is northeast LA, right outside. Um, it's like the most Midwest you can get in LA. Uh, for the listeners in Kansas City, that's exciting, maybe. Or maybe you're like, oh, but I want like big city LA and beaches. I live in the beach now, basically. I'm like less than a mile from a beach, so. It is very nice. The drive here was fantastic. Okay, so currently we are inside Lizzie's living room and we're just going to dive in. Welcome to Word of the Day, the first segment for the show. Uh, And as always, MerriamWebstersDictionary.com, not sponsored. Today's Word of the Day is expeditious. It is E-X-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-U-S. And the definition is a formal word that is used to describe someone acting in a quick and efficient way or something done in such a manner. And they provide their own little example. Uh, and it's it's known for their expeditious surface. The restaurant staff had the family's order ready in less than no time. Now you come up with a sentence and then I'll come up with a sentence. The word is expeditious. That's funny that the example sentence was exactly that because the first thing that popped up in my head was that I went to a bar on Wednesday night mm-hmm. and the wait staff was being super expeditious because we like heard them do their whole spiel before the party ended up coming and just the way that the manager was talking to the other staff members. I was like, wow, expeditious. And there it is. And my sentence will be, they say that, uh, they say that Chris Jenner works hard, but I say that Brett Gaffney with his expeditious service and timing works harder. That's amazing. Okay, Lizzie, what is one thing in the entire world that gets you out of bed every day? What's one passion of yours that you could talk on for hours? One passion? Those are two very different answers to me because the thing that legitimately gets me out of bed every day is my cat because I have to take care of him. But one passion that I could probably talk about forever, writing. It's a tie between writing and photography. I feel like Both of them are my true loves, and it just depends which one is my favorite at the time. What did you study in in college? I studied journalism with an emphasis in photojournalism, so writing and photography. (laughs) Based on the listener who may not know your work or know what you do, give us an introduction into the world of the creative that is Lizzie Bromley. I was that kid who was always told growing up that I was creative, but... I was like so naturally creative that I never ever really practiced anything seriously until photography in like middle school and high school because I was on yearbook and I just like loved taking portraits of people 
And that's when Facebook was just like huge and changing your Facebook profile picture was like the biggest deal in the world. And you always wanted to get a hundred likes. So I was big on taking people's Facebook profile pictures and that really just created my love for portraiture. And then funny enough, I was always so bad at language arts and English, like was getting straight D's and C's all of elementary school. And then something just clicked for me freshman year of high school. And I just suddenly like fell in love with the art of the essay. So I'm really big on creative nonfiction, which Mm -hmm. is basically just writing about your life and writing about, I don't know what you go through, like lessons, life experiences, um, basically just like a personal statement for a college application, but long form. And that's like what I love to do. So those two things together really leaned into what I just said was my college major, um, journalism with an emphasis in creative nonfiction, which is like the long form, like I just talked about, but then also photojournalism because taking portraits of people is my favorite. So at what age did you get your first camera? I got my first camera when I was in sixth grade for Christmas. My dad got me this tiny little, like the Canon point and shoots. And they're like the most basic thing in the world. And I actually still have mine and I carry it around with me every single day. Funny enough, I didn't do that for a really long time, but I've been doing it for like the last year. And then I got my first like real professional camera when I was in eighth grade because I basically begged my parents. Like You were like, this is the only thing that the, I want. The was it a birthday only gift, thing. Gift? So my birthday is December 23rd. So I asked so for it for ball. like my birthday and Christmas yeah. gift. And they kept on asking me if I wanted anything else. And I was like, no, I didn't name a single other gift because I wanted it so bad. And I knew that if I mentioned anything else that they'd get me that. And my mom told me a few years ago, actually, that they didn't decide that they were going to get it for me until like two days before. And so they just like went to a store and got it. Yeah. like That's awesome. But it was crazy, too, because I was just like, well, I wonder what their plan was. Like coming down to the wire December 21st and you're like, like right I don't know. Like before your birthday and yeah. Christmas. But I'm glad they got it for me. And I'm sure they're glad, too, because yeah. I like sobbed when I opened it, like scream cried, was so excited. And it's really impacted my entire life, that camera, you know, so... Super grateful. Yeah. And I had it through college and then I ended up getting, it ended up breaking. It was really sad. And then I got another one that was really similar. And then most recently last year, I got like my really fancy camera. So that was my first like big girl purchase of my entire life. How do you find the balance between using your writing and photography? I feel like there isn't a great balance all the time. Right now I'm pretty photo heavy, but... I think that if anyone would go on my like art Instagram, you could see the real balance because I'm really big on having photos, but then having writing over it, whether or not that's like my handwriting, just like writing on photos or kind of like putting a graphic together. Mm -hmm. So the balance is hard, but I do feel like there's like an, there's a really low key kind of effortless balance that can happen with those two things throughout your life because you're always on your phone taking photos writing your notes app anything like that so I feel like that's also just like the balance you know and just because it's not my professional writing and my professional photography doesn't mean that they both don't exist in Mm -hmm. other spaces when did you start leaning into writing what age do you think that started clicking with you I really want to say when I was like 16 and 17 which feels late But it's funny because when I was living, when I was like in high school, that felt really late. And I was like, wow, I'm in junior and senior in college. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Junior, senior in high school. 
And at that point, that's the oldest you've ever been. So you're like, oh my gosh, like I've lived so much life and I have The world is really small yeah. in high school. Like, oh, it's really big, but it's also like your world is that high school. So small. You can't like imagine what's beyond that. Point. Yeah. I've been talking about that concept a lot recently. Um, it's just so interesting because when I was 17, I was like, wow, I'm 17. That's so old. And now that I'm almost 25, I'm like, no, I was literally a child. And mm-hmm. finding out that I really liked to write when I was 17 is like, it feels really young, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would really say that doing college applications and writing all those personal statements is really what sparked the love of it. And then my freshman year of college at LMU, my first class of my freshman year was this class called Writing in the World Around Us. And it was all about reading essays and writing essays and I loved you ate it up that class, yeah, like favorite class ever, maybe my favorite class that I took all of college, like it was just the most amazing class ever, so good, so much good reading, so much good writing, so many good friends in that class, mm-hmm. great stuff okay, so you you went to Loyola Marymount University here yes. in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What made you have the decision to stay? in California for college. So kind of like what we were talking about when I was in high school, my world felt really small. And even though that I grew up in a Los Angeles suburb, I never really felt like I lived in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. because my family never really, we never really like went outside of our comfort zone. If that makes sense. Like I never went to Venice beach until I was in college. Like there were so many random things that feel so central to LA that I literally never did. Um, I don't even really remember ever like, looking at the Hollywood sign and appreciating it until I was 16 and had my driver's license and I could just drive there myself. Um, So staying in Southern California was kind of like the most obvious thing for me that felt really seamless. I only applied to seven schools and I think only one of them was out of state and one of them was in Northern California. But I was pretty positive I wanted to stay in LA and then I was kind of choosing between Pepperdine Chapman and LMU Mm -hmm. but when I got into LMU I had that special feeling and I like looked at my little brother and I was like you know I think I just got into the school that I'm gonna go to and that feeling just never went away and it was honestly going to LMU is probably one of the best decisions of my entire life I loved it there made so many amazing friends like really discovered myself became the version of myself that I always wanted to be you know so love that place do you have any favorite memories Literally so many. Well, when I look at you, Brett, all I think about is Emily. So I'm like... So for future reference, our common connection is my lovely friend I've known for for years, Emily Shakai. And she's somebody you guys are going to know more about in future episodes because she's going to be the next guest. But for now, we're talking about Lizzie. Lizzie, favorite college memory? So many. Um, Wow. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about this club that I started my junior year because when I tell you that starting a club on campus and getting people to buy into it was so hard it was literally so hard but let me paint this picture for you I'm a junior it's like three days before my junior year starting I'm hanging out at club fest my friend Griffin who's kind of one of my newer friends and we're standing together and then this other guy John is standing with us and John's kind of like the cool kid at LMU like all the girls are obsessed with him and John says to Griffin Griffin like I heard that you want to bring a club onto campus like I really want to be involved in it 
And Griffin completely curves John, looks at me and says, Lizzie, I'm starting this club on campus and I really want you to be a part of it. And that moment was one of the best moments of my entire life. I was like, wow, I'm the one who's really desired in this situation. So I immediately agreed, not knowing at all what this club is. But basically, we brought this charity club to LMU. It's called Dance Marathon. A lot of other colleges have it. I know it. what Dance Marathon is. Yeah, do yeah. you? We had it at Nebraska. Did I you did, have it? I did for... it sometimes. It was like kind of like pushed on us in my fraternity. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're like, you have to do this. And we're like, okay, I'll do it. Do you know what the charity was? Um, it was children's hospitals. Okay. Yeah. So similar to our, I think most of the dance marathons like nationally are for pediatric anything. Mm -hmm. The charity that we were working with was the Be Positive Foundation, which is pediatric cancer. Mm -hmm. And the Be Positive Foundation basically like will give money to families that have children battling cancer. And it's this really beautiful thing. And they do so like literally so much good work. But basically we were trying to plant a dance marathon at LMU. You guys didn't have one prior. We didn't have one prior. Because that's a big club. Yeah. And it was really hard to kind of like go. It was like me and my team of like five other people going to every single chapter, talking about this club, trying to get people signed up. And it was, y'all, I all I can say about that it was so hard. There were so many long nights, so much anxiety because mm-hmm. we weren't raising any money for like months and months. But then... The world just like aligned perfectly. God did his thing. And we ended up raising like $44,000 our first year. Dang. And we raised like all of that in like four weeks, like the four weeks leading up to the event, which was so crazy to experience. And then luckily my senior year, which I was a senior in college, 2019 to 2020, we ended up having our dance marathon the weekend before shutdown happened for COVID. So like, again, just so blessed to have like, an entire two years setting up this foundation. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I've been thinking a lot about Dance Marathon recently because the current president told me recently that LMU Dance Marathon is the biggest childhood cancer philanthropy on all of the West Coast. So it's crazy that I had like- That gave me goosebumps just now. I like literally started crying when he told me that because I had like the smallest little like, I like ran the Instagram of this little club and was trying to get like doing like outreach and marketing and knowing that it's grown that much is like that feels so real to me where there are a lot of things that you do in college and they kind of feel like you're you feel like you're in a little bubble, you know, and all the good work that you're doing really only impacts the people around you, which is really great work. And I'm not trying to diminish that at all because any impact you have on anyone is an impact you're having. But it just feels so much bigger to know that there are people who I don't know who are benefiting from this and that people are so into this cause that it continues every single year. And it's not something that just fell off when we graduated, you know, it was something that people are still really passionate about. Even through COVID. Yeah. And like, that's even crazy that it survived through COVID because there are a lot of traditions, I'm sure at every college that just did not survive. Fizzled out. Yeah. And like I was talking to someone a few days ago, like it was kind of culture at LMU to go to this karaoke bar on Tuesday nights. And that tradition did not survive through COVID, which is so crazy because something as simple as that can just kind of like disappear, you know. But I'm really proud of Dance Marathon and all those memories have really been on my mind recently. Are you ready for the next segment? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to... 
wordplay. So this is a classic game. This is like the game of A Word Before We Leave. This is something that every single time I don't do it, I get someone that's DMing me on Scrim or like, like texting me and being like, episode was good, needs more wordplay. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing it. So the point of the game is we're both going to say a word at the same time and then we're going to try to work our way down to the exact same word. We can't say anything in the room, can't say anything we just talked about, and the goal is to not like repeat any words. So think of a random word in your head, I'll give you a second, and I'm gonna think of a random word, and then we're, I'm gonna count down, and then we're gonna just try to see how long it goes. This could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 30 seconds. My fourth episode, me and my guest, got it twice in a row. Really? After two guesses, yeah. I like, it was like boom, boom, and then boom, boom, and then I was like, I was like that was quick. Okay, but then I've, I've had other episodes that took a little bit. Okay, okay. So we just gotta get on the same page. Cool. Okay, I gotta think of a word. I got one. I got one. Okay. Three, two, one. Carrots. Bongo. Bongo and carrots. carrots. I got a word. I do not have a word. You just gotta get on the same page. Okay, I got one. Three, two, one. Drumstick. Produce and drumstick. Uh, okay. Three, two, one. Chicken. Turkey. Oh. <laughs> I was Thanksgiving like just yeah. happened, so I was yeah, like, I was yeah. like, turkey, easy. Turkey, chicken. Three, two, one. Birds. Poultry. <laughs> Poultry and birds. Three, two, one. Wing. I was not quick enough. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna rewind. Don't okay. say wing. We're I'm back not on wing. Uh, poultry, poultry and, and birds. birds. Yeah. Okay. Um. I got one. Uh, I got one, but it's probably not what you're about to say, though. Maybe, I don't know. Three, two, one. Breast. Tender. <laughs> Dang it. This is so we have we have breast so and tender. Um, okay, I got one. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Nugget. Lunch. <laughs> Lunch and I cannot stop laughing. Nugget. That's We're, like, the, so close. I know, I know. That's the fun of it. We're, like... CC. Yeah. Like we just gotta Nugget balance. and lunch. Three, two, one. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Ah! <laughs> I was hoping that you say Chick-fil-A because I used to work for them. And I feel like if my friends who listen to this episode heard that, they'd be like, oh, of course, Lizzie brings up Chick-fil-A. I was going to say Canes, but then I was like, I feel like people that grew up in California don't have Canes. There are like three, I think, Raising Canes in California, and one just opened in El Segundo, so I've gone a few times. I'm not going to say whether or not one is superior, because I feel like they're they're like similar in essence, but they're completely different in execution. The sauce. What's the verdict? They're both... They're just different. Like, I can't... I hate to say that, but they're literally so different. But they're... You know, they're the same, but they're different. I'm not going to say my opinion. I don't want to start internet riots right now. Yeah, maybe we should just... Just leave it at that. They're different. That's all I can say. Okay, you ready to start answering some more questions? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, you talked a little bit about your photography and writing and uh, doing dance marathon in college. Being a creative, being an artist, being someone that... um, express themselves uh, and then just kind of puts it out there and sees what the response is. What is one project that you put your whole heart into and explain kind of the process that went into creating that project? Something immediately came to mind and I could, this actually might be the thing that I could talk about forever. So 
when 2020, when lockdown was happening, the art that came out of early quarantine was very inspiring to me. And March of 2020 in general, even before kind of COVID took over our lives, I was anticipating graduating in May. And I knew that when I graduated, a lot of my extracurriculars that I was a part of was just going to end. And that wasn't anything that I could control. It was just kind of like how life happens. So I was like, oh, I need to like pick up hobbies. Like what are some hobbies I can get into after graduating? So I made an Instagram called Lizzie Needs Hobbies, which is not called that anymore. But the first username, Lizzie Needs Hobbies. And basically I was like, just looking at all of these different artists do their thing, like portrait photographers taking self-portraits in their houses, Mm -hmm. and then also people just creating like magazines and stuff. Mm -hmm. And basically, in my stomach just growled. That's so funny. I heard that. (gasps) That's what that was. Anyway. I thought that was your cat. No, it was literally my stomach. Yeah, I literally was. It's because I ate a bagel and cream cheese this morning. So good, but you know, not lox. Actually, I had a lox bagel yesterday though. That's such a new, I'm sorry, that's such a new thing for me being out what? here. I've never had a lox bagel before I came to the West Coast. You're you're serious? Yeah. Do they sell lox at like Trader Joe's? I'm sure they do. I just okay. didn't get it until now. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah, they're so good. Okay, you were saying. Okay. So basically like a ton of people were creating these things called corn zines, like quarantine zines. And my mom called me in like May of 2020 and was like, why haven't you done this yet? And I was like, okay, bet. And I had been writing. I had very recently got into writing about my love life, which I never really did Mm -hmm. in college. Like a lot of the things that I was writing was about like faith and going to the grocery store and tattoo artists and things like that. But I wasn't ever really like writing about my heart and stuff, which funny enough, I my Snapchat memory from three years ago today is like the first essay that I ever wrote using someone's name, like describing like how I loved them and like how it affected me. So basically I had like a few different poems and like a few different things that were like a little bit more long form. And my mom challenged me to create this zine. And in like 24 hours, I cranked out a 10 page zine and I was so proud of this zine it was called everyday feelings installment one the title was the boys of 18 to 22 and it was kind of just like talking about the three main guys that I was into in college Mm -hmm. and I loved that project so much that I immediately made another one and installment two was called Jesus all about Jesus and then All of the Black Lives Matter protests were happening. And I was like, you know, I really feel called to kind of like create a zine around that too. So installment three, Black Lives Matter. Long story short, with like between May and August or July, I want to say, I made 10 installments of this magazine. And like one was about high school. There was another one all about boys. And like there was one kind of just like about me Mm -hmm. and just kind of like the essence of who I am and things that I've been through. And Everyday Feelings just was my entire heart and soul because it was like graphic design, writing, photography, so much into one. And I could kind of make it digestible on Instagram where it was literally like sized to be eight by 10, which is like the Instagram ratio. 
and I have a website and I put everything on there. I just loved this project and people were always asking me if I was going to print it. And I just said, no, I had never printed anything in my life before. So I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Blah, blah, blah. This year in March, I... I had made two more installments since then, which is kind of sad that I had made 10 in a few months and I made two in basically two years. <laughs> but I got my magazine printed and I have like a physical representation of hours and hours and hours that I poured into a project and like so much life in a project, yeah. so many memories, so many photos. It truly does represent me as a creative, this like magazine. I have a stack literally right there, the green magazines. I want one. I'll give you one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, it's everything. And people always, it's funny because you like do a project, like someone pulls a movie and they're like, what's next? Yeah. And people no, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sure that seriously, you, yeah. People, it, I, I think this is, sorry, I don't mean No, to you're not interrupting. I always like have like two cents. Someone will say something and I, it resonates with me. People expect to just, you make something and then you're going to make another thing and then keep churning it out. And it's, there. I think there's a difference between like the content and the art. Mm-hmm. And the art takes time. The content, not, not so much. No shade to content creators. It's, it's a notable profession and it's real. And I fall into that trap sometimes, but I don't feel artistically satisfied when I very much know I'm making content. So it's funny that you say that because for me, it's the exact opposite Really, with art. I can crank out art like nobody's business. I cannot crank out content because oftentimes my content is my life Yeah, and I have to live life in order to write about it. Yeah, I can't just live a life that I want to be written about. I have to like live my life just as anyone would. And then the writing comes organically, but the content is the writing typically. I guess what's your definition of content because that's my that might be where we see differently because I see content yeah, as like something algorithmically designed to uh, engage with social media that's how I see content okay if you view content like that which I think is very like I think that is like the social media way of yeah. viewing content I don't create content because I don't do anything for the algorithm, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think that people who do suffer the algorithm are incredibly smart, but that's not my prerogative. Um, and it's not where I'm at right now. I, that's not really the thing that I really, really care about. Brett is trying to call my kitten and he is just swerving him. Um, he hates me. But I think for me, content, when it comes to the stuff that I create, is like the bulk of what it is and kind of like the backbone, its essence. Mm -hmm. So if I'm creating, if there's like a graphic that has writing over it, the writing is the content. The art, like the photo isn't because the photo kind of can be on its own, whatever. Like I could take a photo, anyone can take a photo and edit it, you know? But the writing, like when you look at a book, a picture book, like a kid's book, what is the content? That's actually harder because so, there are so many books that are like actually illustrated so beautifully. Mm-hmm. But it, like the story is the writing. Yeah. So that's what, how I'm thinking about content right now when it pertains you're to like, me. You're like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> like you're making me feel like more of an artist from creating things that I can do fast. You yeah, know? definitely. 
I don't think that I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think that good art has to take a long time Mm. because this is something that I've thought a lot about too, because I'm a freelancer. Right. And it's kind of the thing where it's like, well, are you charging project based? Are you charging for your time? And which one is more important to you? Mm. But I always go back to this one example that was brought up to me at some point where whoever created the Nike logo, creating a swoop can happen in like 30 seconds. You know, that's not like necessarily like a quote unquote hard concept to come up with. So for something like that, are you charging based on your time? Are you charging like per project, you yeah. know? Yeah. So basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is something can be simple. My cat is trying to get into the closet. If anyone heard what he was doing. We can hear it, but we like it. We include those sounds. Yeah. That's a part of He space. is my entire heart and soul. So you want to talk about him at all? I'm sure I'll end up talking about him. He's just so freaking cute. I love his little face. He's very curious about me right now. Yeah, he is always a little bit shy at first, but then he realizes that people are like normal. And if I'm talking to them, he'll typically warm up a little bit quicker. I don't think art is inherently more valuable because it takes a long time to create. Mm -hmm. I think that art stands and speaks for itself a lot of the time. And it doesn't, always matter how much work is put into it it's kind of just like also what is in front of you so releasing the magazine printing Mm -hmm. it out what did it feel like what did what were what did the day after you release it look like it's kind of a funny story because I got it printed in March and then I ended up quitting my job my like formal nine to five in April and then I was so engulfed in grad photos because that's kind of like the bulk of where I get my income from. I'll like literally make like half my salary in those like two months. Yeah. Um, so I got them all printed. I had this whole like emotional few days of, wow, this is in front of me and I can flip through it and it's beautiful. And I love holding this physical representation of my quarantine basically. But then <laughs> DJ... He wants to get into my roommate's room really bad, but oh my gosh. DJ. So I have all these emotions surrounding it, but then a lot of those emotions wore off because I was working so intensely for so many weeks and then I just announced it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, everyone else was excited and people kept on asking me how excited I was. And I was like, well, I'm really excited to share it with you. But I've already had like the personal gratification. I've already made it. You know? Yeah. Like I had made it. I had had it. I was like staring at it. You had like a physical copy in yeah. your hands. Yeah. And I had like read through the whole thing. I'm going to be completely honest. When I created it, I, I like made the whole magazine. And Emily Shakai, shout out to her, is my editor. So she like basically has read everything that I've ever written before anything's happened to it. Um, still to this day, she is my go-to girl. Um, but it was funny cause I basically like sent this printmaking company my pages and then they sent me back a proof and I immediately was like, yeah, it looks great. And they were like, are you, you don't want to like look through it. And I was like, no, I just want it to be done. Like I had made this so many months ago. I don't want to like perfect it just to perfect it. I want it to be exactly what it is. So I say that I've read the whole thing, but I'm also like, but if there's a spelling error, do not come at me because I definitely have not noticed anything, but there absolutely could be something completely wrong with it but that's a part of it yeah but that's a part of it and like honestly spelling errors represents me very well so 
It's like a cat scratching at a door. Yeah, exactly. It's a part of it. It's a part of it. Okay, so now we're going to go into the third and final segment before we kind of work our way to the final questions. Perfect. So this is a new segment. I always like to bring in new stuff. I literally thought of this segment on the drive here because I was was like, I don't want to do something I've already done. I want something new. I want something that speaks to Lizzie. And I feel like with the holiday seasons coming up and people going to family and seeing friends and people asking you, the listener, questions, whether you're driving right now listening to this or you're sitting outside or inside or sipping hot chocolate, it doesn't matter. I want to compliment you guys. I want us to do a new segment called Words of Affirmation. So Lizzie's going to compliment you three times. And I'm going to compliment you three times. I think we're just going to do like, she'll do one, I'll do one. And then we'll let you think on that. And these are words that you can say to yourself too. These are things that remind you of your worth and of your perspective and of your value. And, and that is valuable in itself. You being you. So Lizzie, would you like to compliment the listener? I want to compliment them. This is a little bit, this is kind of comes from a guided meditation, but it was really impactful for me. So I'm going to kind of just almost lead everyone listening through a guided meditation, just really, really quick. But basically close your eyes and imagine someone that you really love. And it could be anyone, like an artist, your parents, a friend, anyone. And in your head, say to that person, you are kind You deserve to be safe, and I love you. And then picture yourself now. Picture someone who loves you, and imagine them saying those things to you. I am kind. I deserve to be safe. But all the same things. You are so loved. I am loved. I deserve to be safe. I am kind. And my compliment is going to be less of a guided meditation, but that was incredible, Lizzie. Thank you. I'm going to say, I really like your shoes that you're wearing today. Or if you're not wearing shoes, your toenails are trimmed nicely. I really like the way when you walk into a room, I notice your presence and I immediately appreciate it. I think when you smile, your true self comes out. And I think you should smile more. I love your laugh, every single version of it. Even those like tiny little giggles that you'll let out every once in a while, love those. But I also love your deep, hysterical laugh. I just think it's so great. I think the way you hold yourself when you're by yourself, you can hold around other people because that's an awesome version of you. I love that one. Thank you. And... That was words of affirmation. Are you ready for the next questions? Yeah, I'm so ready. Awesome. So this is the deepest it gets. What is something um, that has made you question why you create art? That's a good question. I think, I think insecurity, right? Like insecurity is the only thing that really, I think, makes you question yourself. Could be wrong. Like self reflection is also one of those things but for me it's definitely insecurity I'm surrounded by so many amazing artists all of the time 
all of my closest friends are incredible artists. Brett is an incredible artist. Like there's so many, there's so much talent around me all the time. And it's funny because even a lot of my friends like studied art formally, you know, like we're film and television majors in college, we're art majors, whatever. And I wasn't like why I create, but also like, am I worthy of creating is just that insecurity where I'm like comparing my life experiences to other people and like questioning how naturally art comes to them. And like, I can't name like 50 photographers off the top of my head. So like, am I a real photographer? Yes, I am. I just can't do those, those little things. I think it's really easy to compare yourself to other people and kind of like minimize your experience and your artistic ability and your artistic inclination just based on how you perceive other people. But I'm constantly just reminding myself that there are a lot of people who appreciate you without you even knowing. And it's worth creating art even if you think, even if you're not like 100% proud of it, just because you're adding something to the world and someone's going to resonate with it. Like, I post these dumb things. I call them table thoughts. I'll post these dumb things on Instagram that are just like, it's like an image and then it'll be a ton of different like one-liners basically and just like random passing thoughts that I'll have in my head. And to me, these lines are just passing thoughts that go through my head. But the amount of messages that I've gotten from random people just being like... I messaged one. I remember that. It was the McDonald's drive through Some things can't get solved in a McDonald's drive through It was like you're like sitting in a drive through with a guy. Yeah. And like literally. you didn't want to be there, but then like you sorted out the problem in the drive through and you like made this little vignette. Yeah. It was, and I like saw that. I was, I was like, whoa. Yeah. It was literally a photo of someone in a McDonald's drive through And I think it says... I was so ready to just like let this person leave my life and just to kind of give up. But there are not many things that a McDonald's drive through can't solve. Yeah. And just like a little tiny experience is like so simple. But that it but, resonated with me. But it resonates with people, yeah. you know? And like, I don't know. There's like, I could name like so many random lines of random things. I just think that people are so much more powerful and so much more meaningful than they think, you know? Because... Sometimes I think about, I used to be a barista. Sometimes I think about the random people who would be in my barista line who would have like a huge impact on me. And fun story, actually, one time there was a guy took his order and I was pretty sure I knew who he was. And I was like, what's your name? And he said, Mike. And I was like, cool. And I like wrote on his cup and then I like put his cup in the line. And then I said, I'm so sorry, but are you Mike? Insert his last name. And he gives me a really weird look. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I know that you don't remember me, but I was best friends with your stepsister as a child. And your wife used to work for the Gibson Amphitheater, which was an amphitheater that was torn down to create Harry Potter World in Universal Studios. And he took me to my first ever Jonas Brothers concert. And y'all, when I tell you that I sobbed that entire concert because it meant so much to me, and then we went to a second concert, like a, like two years later, same guy, Mike still took me, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward to my senior year of college, I go to a Jonas Brothers concert with our sweet Emily Shakai. I'm sobbing the entire time again. This man, without him knowing, has had the biggest impact on my life. Because he took you to a concert. Because he took me to a concert. And then he was just in, co- 
in line to get and coffee. And then he was just in line to get coffee. And I could literally look at him in the eyes and be like, I think about you. And you don't know who I am. And, like, there's no way that he just remembers, like, his little sister. I think they're, like, honestly, like, 18 years apart. No, even maybe, like, a bigger age gap than that. I don't know. But it's just so crazy to think that, like, he doesn't think about me. He probably doesn't think about those concerts. Like, I'm sure that he has taken, like, like his sister to, like, a bunch of concerts. Not, like, a bunch of little kids to a bunch of concerts. That would be insane. But, like, he's probably been to a ton of concerts. Went to the Gibson Amphitheater a hundred times because his wife worked there. But... It's so impactful to me. So basically what I'm trying to say is like you really don't know the impact that you're making on other people. You don't know how often they think about you. Don't assume that they don't. You don't have to think like, oh, yeah, everyone's thinking about me all the time. But like there's definitely someone out there who you don't think of that often who just like probably absolutely adores you. And and that goes for everybody. Seriously, there are people out there that care for you, the listener. Genuinely. I know I do. I mean. There's not a lot of you guys that listen to this, but the ones that do keep coming back and I think about you guys. I don't know all of you specifically and I'm happy that it's growing, but seriously, thank you guys for continuing to join us on these conversations because these conversations matter. They do. I really do. I think that, I think podcasts are interesting in general because I think there are so many great conversations that happen interpersonally that people don't like listen in on. Mm -hmm. But it's really special to kind of have a medium where it kind of just feels like we're talking to each other, but they're just like, it's a microphone in front of me. But stuff like this is special, you know, like having meaningful conversations and like letting people listen in and kind of like let them in on your life. Yeah. I think it's special and good. Are you ready for the final question? Yeah. Lizzie Bromley, would you care to share a word before we leave? Brett and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, I really want to leave people with the word love because I've been thinking a lot about love recently. I'm in therapy, talking to my therapist. My therapist actually was my therapist when I was 17. I started going to her in high school and I've gone on and off to her throughout my life. But she's like the therapist that I always come back to because I love her so much. She's been really helping me kind of like think through different things in my life and different things that have happened throughout my life. And basically what I've been thinking about recently is how love is absolutely nothing that I thought it was. And I feel like throughout my life, I've kind of experienced this insecure love or like the people pleasing love where you're trying to prove to someone why you should be loved. Where right now I... I'm in a situation where I just like love someone with my whole heart and I feel loved by them back. And the love that I experience from this person feels so safe and consistent and real where I'm not, I'm not like worried what I can do wrong and like if it's going to end or not, it's just kind of like, well, It feels good right now and it feels safe right now. And sometimes that is just so overwhelming. I just think that love is such a beautiful thing. And I think that we can love people so well and loving people well is such a great quality. But yeah, just thinking a lot about love. It's been sweet recently. There you have it, folks. Love. Love. I love you. 
I love you too. Okay, guys, this has been Brett Gaffney with the word before we leave. I'm going to do a few thank yous and then that's the episode. Uh, quick shout out to Sam Harding, Jacob Harding, Matthew Blom, Lizzie Bromley. DJ. DJ the Cat for being a part of the episode. Morgan McCoy, Ishan Parikh, Matthew Ashley, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, Emily Shikai, of course. Can't Emily not Shikai. thank Emily Shikai. Chrissy Haas. And, of course, I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, and Parker Ryle, the first, the man that helped me start this podcast. Parker, I love you. I hope you listen to this still. And you, the listener, of course, you matter the most. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining Lizzie. This has been Brett Gaffney and... Lizzie. And this has been a word before we leave. And as a quick little reminder, maybe maybe you too can compliment a stranger today. I love that. I challenge you. Do it. Just do it. See what happens. Compliment a stranger. It can be something small, something big. doesn't matter. I guarantee it'll make both of you feel great. And that's it. That's the show. <laughs> Thing. Do your thing. I was thinking when you were saying compliment a stranger, I have all these stickers that say you are beautiful because there's this you are beautiful sticker club that I'm a part of. <laughs> oh, my door was locked. Sorry about that. Um, and basically like the whole point of sticker club is to like pass out stickers that say you are beautiful, which is my way to compliment strangers but i'm not that good at doing it consistently but i was thinking that i should just put these stickers on people's cars like underneath their windshield i think i might do that sometimes just like put a bunch of little stickers on someone's car you are loved you are beautiful thank you everybody for listening we'll be back